We come to the reading of the Word of God. We'll read first uh, from Isaiah, the end of chapter 8, the beginning of chapter 9. And then we'll read the passage under consideration for the sermon in uh, in 1 John chapter 2. Let's pray together. Father God, it is a great thing that you have stooped to speak to us in language that we sinners, we children can understand, that you do not leave us wandering in the darkness until the day of wrath and judgment. We thank you for the word we're about to hear with our ears, perhaps set our eyes upon as we read together. And we pray that the same Holy Spirit who directed the prophets and the apostles to write your word to us would now write it on our hearts, would open our ears and our hearts, open our minds to believe, to understand to submit ourselves and to walk in the light that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ, through whom we pray, amen. So Isaiah 9, or 8 and 9, the end of 8, speaks of a time of great, great spiritual darkness, but then a promise of coming light. That light came when Jesus came. Isaiah 8, beginning at verse 8, uh, verse 19. We're breaking into the middle of a passage, but I think it's all right. When they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching or the Torah, or the law of God, and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry, and when they are hungry they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God, and turn their faces upward, and they will look out to the earth. But behold, distress and darkness the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, and the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. 
And when Jesus came into the world, where did he first begin his ministry? In Zebulun, in Naphtali, the place of darkness. 1 John chapter 2. Read a bit of what we've read already and then read down through verse 11. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is in the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. May the Lord who gave this word open our eyes as we read it and open our ears as we hear it. <clears throat> uh, we read a good deal of uh, John's first letter already. We read a couple of passages in Isaiah, and these illustrate <clears throat> the fact that throughout Scripture, but very prominently in John's Gospel and in his letters, uh, that throughout Scripture, there is this contrast constantly presented before us of light versus darkness. Uh, John, will de John declares to us in chapter 1, we haven't read it yet, uh, that God is light. And in opposition to God is all that is not his light. God is light. In his truth, God is light in his righteousness. God is light in his perfect mercy and love and justice. Lies, evil, these are the works of the devil. And there's a spiritual warfare going on between light and darkness. Jesus came into the world 
and declared more than once, but in John 8:19, he said publicly, I am the light of the world. And John, as I said, declares that God is light and that we should walk in the light. I read verses 5 and following of chapter 1. This is the message that we heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Praise be to God. So God who is light through his servant John and through his son Jesus calls us to walk in the light. And he encourages us uh, to walk in the light uh, with this uh, wonderful statement. The darkness is passing away because the light has come. Uh, you and I may struggle with darkness within us, uh, discouragement, uh, repeated temptations to the same sins, uh, struggle with understanding God, <coughs> God's will, uh, many ways that we, we struggle the darkness within. And what a good word it is to us that the true light has come and the darkness is passing away. So in this spiritual war in which we find ourselves, we and the whole church of Jesus Christ around the world and down through the ages, we need the encouragement of God's word. We need the assurance that John gives us that will dispel gloomy pessimism from our hearts and call us to lift our eyes to Christ and to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, we have many encouragements to walk in the light. Uh, Christians are called by God to walk in the light as he, God is in the light, or perhaps the wording should be understood as, as he, Jesus, is in the light. Uh, it's not always easy to distinguish the persons of the triune God in a, in a given passage. But what does that mean to walk in the light? Well, it means to live in spiritual fellowship with God who is light, with Christ who is the light of the world. What does that mean? It means to seek in the word of God, to be exposed to the light that is the person and work of Christ, that is the person and the glory and the majesty of God, his justice, his mighty power, his works, his mercy, his love. It means to pray that the Holy Spirit would enable us to conduct our lives in keeping with that light. And that is why John says that part of walking in the light means keeping God's commands, 
and especially the command to love one another. Because when we love one another, we are encouraged to walk in the light together. The Apostle gives a number of other encouragements to us. Uh, Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. Uh, we know that we fall into unrighteousness. We ought not to, but we do. But we have an advocate with the Father who is altogether righteous, whom the Father never denies, whoever intercedes for us as our great high priest at the right hand of God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so that is an encouragement when we sin and confess and sin and confess. That is our encouragement not to give up the struggle, but to keep on confessing and praying that the Spirit will enable us to walk more and more faithfully in the light. The promise is given. What an encouragement it is that if we humbly confess our sins, which are failures to walk in the light, that God will forgive our sins. He is just to forgive our sins. That puzzles some people. If he were just, he would punish our sins. No, he punished our sins when he laid his divine justice on Jesus in the place of sinners who trust in him and plead for mercy. And it would be unjust for God to punish his son for your sins and my sins and then punish us too. So when we come to him trusting in Christ and confessing our sins and pleading for mercy, he is just to forgive our sins. And to restore us to good fellowship and to walking in the light. And then in chapter 2, 7 and 8, the amazing statement that we've already spoken about. The darkness is passing away. The darkness that is in me does not have the last word. It's, it's the, my father-in-law, Priscilla's father used to say, it's, he's the rotting corpse of Adam <laughs> that remains after our conversion. <laughs> we put off the old man, but his stinking corpse is still around. Yes. Uh, we need to hear that word. The darkness is passing away. This is not the darkness is not the last word in the heart and life of a Christian believer. Now, sometimes we're tempted to say the darkness is passing away. Really, <laughs> I have trouble seeing it. And so it's important for us to understand that we are called to walk by faith and confidence in the word of God, in the work of Christ, and not by sight. It is important to grasp this assurance from God. It is not futile to walk in Christ's light in this world. The darkness is losing. It is truly losing. Though the world may threaten you with punishments, pretty mild ones in our country and culture today, but around the world some pretty serious ones. You're not on the losing team if you walk in the light 
and accept whatever scorn, ridicule, mockery the world has for you because the darkness is passing away and the true light has come. So don't say, what's the use? Darkness is too great, the world too evil, lies too strong, my sins keep coming back on me. What can I do? What can we do? Well, it's not what we can do, it's what Jesus promises to do. John declared 2,000 years ago, lose something here there. <laughs> John declared 2,000 years ago that the darkness is passing away. And that is still true because Christ has not changed. The Holy Spirit has not changed. God the Father has not changed. Well, point number two, the darkness is passing away because the true light is shining. John's statement, the darkness is passing away, is not based on his confidence in the endeavors of the church to overcome or push back the darkness of this world. John's confidence is based on the nature and the character of Christ himself. Think of an analogy. Uh, I've been to several caverns in my life as a tourist. And always at some point in the tour, they turn off the electric lights that have been suspended from the ceilings, and you are in darkness. <laughs> Three or four hundred feet below the nearest natural light. And you can hold your hand toward your face and not see a thing. But then the guide turns on his little flashlight, and the shadows all push back. It may not be a very bright flashlight, but it pushes back the shadows. You walk into a dark, dark room, light a lighter, and that little flame, and the shadows go into hiding in the corners and behind the sofa and so on. Darkness is always defeated by light. Christ as God the Son, the living Word, from the very beginning of the creation, He has been, John says in John 1 verses 4 and 5, He has been the light of men shining in the darkness. Now I think there John is speaking not just of God's special revelation of His Son who was going to come in the Old Testament and then the proclamation of the coming of His Son in the New Testament, but I think he's speaking of the fact that God in mercy has restrained human evil and unbelief to, to a great extent so that we don't destroy the world <clears throat> and destroy each other. <clears throat> he preserves life in the world and part of the way He preserves life in the world <clears throat> so that Christ may come, the gospel may be preached, and his chosen people brought to faith. Part of the way that God uh, preserves life in the world is by preserving conscience in fallen people, uh, by preserving uh, a glimmer of truth in, in the light even of pagans who worship false gods, uh, by the works 
of God's law written on people's hearts so that they have a moral sense and they accuse and, and excuse themselves and others, but they're, they're concerned about moral issues and are restrained from being as wicked in their actions as they might otherwise be. And that light, that light, I think John is saying in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, that light is the light that is Christ before he came into the world and apart from the scriptures. Common grace, we may call it. But that light is a small glimmer in the darkness of our fallen world that is filled otherwise with lies and confusion and rebellion against God and sin and wickedness. Christ came into the world as the light of the world. Of course, he did so by his love, by his works, by his deeds, by his teaching as he lived with his disciples and lived in the presence of crowds of people in Galilee and Judea. The night he was betrayed, he declared to his betrayer and to the soldiers who came to arrest him, Now is your hour in the power of darkness. The Father gave his Son over to the power of darkness. And it's no wonder then that as our Lord hung on the cross, that part of the world, we don't know how far this extended, that part of the world descended into deep darkness at noonday. But Christ on the cross triumphed over the darkness. It was not the victory of the devil, it was the devil's defeat. He no longer has anything to say to accuse you, brothers and sisters in Christ, of your sins. They've been laid on Jesus and he's atoned for them. Satan is the one who has been judged in the cross. His doom is made certain. Christ triumphed over the darkness in his resurrection. Death defeated. Hope given. He triumphed over the darkness in his ascension. There in heaven, enthroned at the right hand of the Father. He is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, the King of all the kings and rulers of the nations. No power on earth is superior to Christ or able to rebel against his will. He triumphs. He triumphed over the darkness on the day of Pentecost. He sent the Holy Spirit to give power to his apostles and to the little fledgling church, power enabling them to proclaim Christ and to bring multitudes out of darkness into God's marvelous light. That's why we're here. We confess that we were in darkness. But we give praise to God because he called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And he will finally triumph over the darkness when he comes again with all the majesty and glory of his heavenly army and the saints resurrected to come with him. 
to gather all the nations before him to pronounce judgment on the wicked and cast them into eternal punishment and to receive into his heavenly kingdom all the resurrected believers uh, who have looked to him in faith. Despite places and seasons when it may seem otherwise, the darkness cannot prevail against Christ. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk 2.15 Give glory to the Lamb who has purchased for God with his blood people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation and made them a kingdom and priests unto God. And they will be a multitude which no man can number. Revelation 5, 9 and 7, 9. And so point number three, the light is driving back the darkness to the end of the age. And so that includes us and when we live. We need a little historical perspective, I think. One of our problems, and it's been noted by many people, and it's probably not new, but I think it's more serious in our time. But I, I may just be the old man who's looking back and saying, well, I think we're better in my youth. But a problem is that we think of our little, our little tiny slice of history as giving a true view of how things are. And that's not true. Uh, traveling to other countries is a wonderful education because you find out that, you know, who we are in this country and what we do in this country is not all there is. There are other ways of doing things and other kinds of people. Uh, and uh, so it's very educational. But I, I move off point, don't I? The Great Commission to the disciples to make disciples of all the Gentiles was given to a small handful of ordinary men. Was it hopeless? Were they daunted? Well, I don't know if they were daunted at the time they heard the words. But Jesus stood before them. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You go, therefore, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That hasn't changed, has it? That is still true. He is still with his people as we take the Great Commission seriously. Our Lord told a parable. I think is very instructive, the parable of the mustard seed. Matthew 13, 31 and 32. He, told, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. All right, you biology scientists, don't get technical on us here. That's hyperbole. Uh, it is the smallest of all seeds. 
But when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. It's a beautiful picture. And then he talks about yeast and leavening the loaf. Our Lord gave that commission and told that parable because he is the light of the world. And he makes us to be lights in the world. He said in the Sermon on the Mount to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Well, not in themselves they weren't. But as they were joined to Christ, as they trusted in him, as they learned from him, as they were shaped by him, as the Holy Spirit came upon them and united them more firmly and intimately with Christ, his light shone in them. In the transformation of their lives, the light of Christ could be seen. And so this is true for you and me as we trust in Christ, as we live in fellowship with him, as we endeavor to draw near to him in the word and in prayer and in encouraging one another in that fellowship, as we seek to obey the commandments of God and encourage one another to do so and encourage one another to lay hold of grace and mercy when we fail, we're walking in the light. And the light of Christ is made visible to those who have eyes to see it around. Not everybody does. Uh, Jesus said, or John, John the Apostle said that Christ came into the world as light, but the darkness hated him. People hated him because their deeds were evil and they did not want the light of Jesus to be shining on them and on their evil deeds. And that happens, that happens to Christians, doesn't it? Uh, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he left an army of conquest behind. Twelve apostles, a small church of 120 in Jerusalem, another 500 or so up in Galilee who were witnesses to the resurrection. That's, that's, that's smaller than Gideon's army. When God used him and his army to conquer the Midianites. The Jewish people of Palestine had rejected Christ and put him to death. Their brethren around the Mediterranean knew very little about him, if anything at all. The rest of the world was truly sunk in darkness and idolatry. Spiritual death and immorality reigned. Without God and without hope in the world, Ephesians 2.12 says. But look, look, look at how things have changed. Christ, by the Spirit, used those feeble human instruments. And down through the history of the church, he has continued to use feeble human instruments who often mix God's truth with error, who often are very sinful, who are always opposed and often persecuted, sometimes viciously, even slaughtered. God has used these human instruments proclaiming Christ the light of the world and seeking as Christ by the Spirit gives strength 
to be his lights in the world, to change the world, to bring the gospel to the nations of the world. First, the first century or so, to the Middle East, to North Africa, to the Greek and Roman world, to India. As the church grew, it was threatened with conquest and destruction by the darkness of a false prophet of Islam, saved by God alone from being overwhelmed. Many providential deliverances there. <coughs> As the church <coughs> uh, sank in early centuries, later centuries, into confusion about the gospel, about the way of salvation, put mediators between God and man in addition to Christ, encourage people to put confidence in their good works, which is futile. God sent light. He revived the light of the gospel in a wonderful way in Northern Europe. For the past 300 years, the gospel has been proclaimed to all the nations of the world now. Now, we're told by missionary groups that there are many people groups that have not heard the gospel. Tribal peoples here and there in uh, Central Africa and Central South America and parts of Asia. There are places where the gospel has only barely been proclaimed. but. It has been proclaimed to the nations of the world. The Church of Jesus Christ is found in every nation under heaven. This is a thing that, that is a marvel because it's been done without huge amounts of wealth. It's been done without conquering armies. Well, except in India, following the English <laughs> colonial expansion uh, and some other places. but. It's been done by ordinary people called by the Holy Spirit to preach Christ and to live Christ and, and doing their best to do that. The darkness has been driven back worldwide by the light of the gospel. Now, the darkness fights back. The devil doesn't say, okay, I give up, I'm defeated. He won't do that till he is cast into the lake of fire. But the darkness has been driven back worldwide by the light of the gospel carried to the nations by Christians seeking to shine for Christ. The darkness still threatens. Peter admonishes us, be sober. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about seeking whom he may devour. Be on the alert. Watch out for those temptations that he uses. But in the preceding book, James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you because Christ has defeated him. John tells us later in his letter, John, 1 John 4, 4, greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. No matter how threatening and powerful the world may seem to be, think if you're, if you're a Christian believer in China or in Saudi Arabia, or in Iran, how, or North Korea, how powerful the world seems to be in its opposition to the gospel. 
He who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Fear not, little flock, Jesus said. I am with you to the end. Will Islam conquer Europe and America and snuff out the light? No. The light cannot be snuffed out. Will secularism and materialism and political saviors and tyrants destroy the light? No, they won't. You Christian brothers and sisters in countries where the church is intensely persecuted by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, hold on to Christ and seek to be his light under great duress. You should pray for them. Hard times may be ahead for Christian churches, for us in this country, we don't know. Because judgment does begin in the household of God to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ, to humble us. I think the American church needs a lot of humbling, and so do you and I. But the darkness will not prevail against Christ. The light is growing. The darkness is being driven away. Let's pray. Our Father, we confess that we would be walking in darkness still and preferring it to your light. If you, by the Holy Spirit and the good word of the gospel, had not conquered our hearts and brought us into the kingdom of your beloved Son, we thank you. We thank you that you are light. that there is a remedy for the darkness of this world, which sometimes seems overwhelming. And that is you and your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in people with the gospel. So Lord, we pray that you would help us, enable us, encourage us to walk in the light and fellowship with you that the light of Christ would shine from us, from our lives, our attitudes, our love for one another, our love for others, the truths that we speak to confront the lies of this world. Grant this grace, O Lord, that we may see in tangible ways the darkness driven back and the light shining. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.